Last week we started a new series, I Will Build My Church. This is Jesus saying it. So if it's Jesus saying it, whose church is it? Jesus's, not, not mine, not yours, it's Jesus's. It's helpful to remember that at times. And he, he says that he will build his church, and he says it in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, and it's just after Peter has declared something true about Jesus and a declaration of faith in, in, in who Jesus is. And we're unpacking over uh, last week and, and the next three weeks um, some verses from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 to 16. And this week, we're focusing in on uh, the first part of, of verse 11, where it says apostles and evangelists. And next week, Jackie will be uh, helping us learn about uh, prophets that Jesus has given to his church. And then uh, the, the last week in the series, Keith King will be coming and sharing about shepherds and teachers. How would you build a church? We've got the building blocks. We've got this building, not a church, building. Church is the people. This is a hub heart home, hub of community life in the heart of the village, home for our church family. So how would you go about building a church? What would you do? Rhetorical question. I know sometimes I ask for people to shout out, but rhetorical question. How would you, you do it? What would you have? What would you do? What would you be? What would the culture of your church be like? We read last week in Ephesians chapter 4, That Jesus' church is a unified church. It's, hang on, let's do some maths. It's one church. Can you remember, if you weren't here, Dave went through the first few verses of uh, Ephesians 4, and he said, Jesus' church is one church. It's a united church. And Paul, writing to the church in in Ephesus, was um, saying, there's one faith, one Lord, one baptism, Etc. Um, Etc. Et He's talking about one, and then as we look in, in verse uh, eleven and twelve, we read these verses. So Christ Himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, shepherds, and teachers to equip His people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up. Dave shared this this image showing the direction of travel, that the evangelists bring people into the, to the church. The shepherds look after them in, inside the church. The apostles send out prophets, hear the heart of God and bring it in. Um, teachers ground us in, in, in truth of God's words. I want to um, say, though, that when we have one united church plus five equals growth, it will only equal growth that is sustainable if the five are also united and are in right balance. This story, the tale of two churches, is hypothetical. Please don't try to read into it. I'm not having a pop at any church or anything like that. But allow God's spirit to just help you think through. The A&E church, what does A&E stand for? Apostles and evangelists. <laughs> but also the A&E church, the accident and emergency church, are going after the lost, the broken, those that need restoring. And that's their focus. That's their reason for existing. They go out and they're there. And 
like in the medical sense, they're putting on kind of um, bandages and things like that, they're triaging all of the kind of medical terms, and they're sending people back. When I say the A&E church, I don't mean that people go to the A&E church and wait for four to five, six hours, and then a pastor comes along, says, oh yeah, you need to wait to see someone else. It's not that kind of church, because actually the A&E church is bam, 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 bam. We need to go after the next one. There are people over there that are hurting. We're going to go over and and share the good news of Jesus with them. The A&E church is so focused on the vision of Jesus to make disciples. And that's, that's what they do. But what happens after a while is the A&E church start to burn out, run out of steam. Because they're just A&Es. They, they um, are apostles and evangelists. And you don't have the care within the community, so they'll fall out. And they're not necessarily hearing the clear voice of God. So maybe they could go slightly awry. Or maybe they're not teaching God's word. So actually those that they're patching up and healing and and bringing to faith, they're not being discipled in the word of God, the A&E church. Psst. Church. The PST church. Psst. It's a secret. We can hear the heart of God prophetic. But we're not going to share it with everyone else. We're going to keep it for ourselves. Within our loving community. And we're going to teach God's word so deeply. So profoundly. But we're not going to share it. Because we're the psst church. And we've got to keep it quiet. The church. What happens to that? If the A&E church burns out, what happens to the the church? That solely focuses in on the prophetic, the shepherding and teaching ministry. Well, it won't last. Past a few generations, it'll slowly die out. And only grow through biological growth or or maybe transfer growth. When people hear, oh, there's a secret church. Don't tell anyone else. I'm going to go over there as well. Neither will last. If you have your phone and would like to take part in this, um, get your phone out, turn on the camera, and you can scan this QR code. If you just want to have a think and don't want to use your phone, then that's fine. Um, in the summer, we use this, um, this system. It's called Padlet, and it just helps people participate. This is a five-fold survey. A&E, PST, or APEST, Apostles, Prophets, Evangelist, Shepherd, Teacher. I'm going to leave up to you what kind of blend or strength of church Gold Hill is, whether we are an A&E or a as an ST or or um, EST or or what. You can make up your own decisions as you pray about it. What are the strengths? What are the weaker areas or areas for growth? But also you can put down what you think you might be or or kind of have strengths in. Do have a go at filling that in. I'm going to 
uh, do that as well. And if you don't have... Oh, actually, I took a photo of it. Whoops. Um, if you don't have a phone with you, just have a think. Which ones are, are you? Which ones are we as a church? The apostles, they create an atmosphere of expectation and movement. They mobilize the church. They guard the purity of the message to pass on and keep the message going on. Evangelists bring people into the church and equip people to do the same. Prophets listen for and share the heart of God and enable others to do the same. These are just simple, basic definitions. Shepherds bring people together in caring and loving community. Teachers... ground the church in the reliable, solid, and unchanging word of God. So which are you? Which are we? Let's just um, share some thoughts so far. Um, Wow, this is really interesting. Based on the people who've hearted things, there's still some more people doing it, we're primarily a church. That's interesting. Four have said evangelist. We're an evangelist church, or um, two, an apostolic kind of church. Yet, we've got a growing number of people who are saying, I'm an apostle, I'm an apostle. Or apostle kind of things, it gets, gets me excited. We're going to keep this survey open. Do uh, have a look, and we will print out, and sh- well, not print out, we'll save the results and we'll share. 21 people are saying Gold Hill, 22 people are saying that Gold Hill is a really, sh- 23 people are really shepherding church. 21 that we're primarily a teaching church. Seven of, uh, say that we're evangelists. Nine say that we're a prophetic church. So, so you can see actually we're not a, pst, we're an ST with a little bit of P. It, it's, um, Stop it. I wonder whether the results that you've just said have led to this. And that imbalance of apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher have led to this. And I know that at the moment some people are saying we're leaning too much towards outsiders. And I'm not feeling part of a community that loves and cares or we're not being taught as deeply. So I know that the balance isn't perfect at the moment, but maybe our imbalance over decades has led to this. In 2030... That's our decision now. I am a bit weird for a number of reasons. One of the reasons is I love data. And I love church history. So, are are you like that? Yeah, thank you. So Helen was just saying, Alfred is like that. The current data for the Baptist denomination in the UK is that in 58 years' time, when I turn 100, I will turn 100, either this side of eternity or... No, no. When I turn 100, the Baptist denomination will cease to exist. 
based on the current data. This says our church, but the current data for the Baptist denomination in the UK. But in the same report, it says, but there is great potential for this denomination to be turned around. Whereas it doesn't say that in the Methodist or the URC churches, church denominations. It doesn't say that in the same report. But in the Baptist one, it says there's great potential for renewal within this, within this denomination, and it could change around. That's one of the things that gets me out of bed in the morning, and three children as well. Um, so, based on the assumption that Jesus will build his church, and as uh, we said last week, Jesus started his church in the way that he wanted it, and he, he wants the church as he started it, we're going to look at Jesus sending his church this week, the apostle and evangelist. And the apostle and the evangelist and the prophetic, you have said, those that filled in that, that, um, that survey, you have said that A, E, and P, we are less strong on as a church. So these next two weeks are really crucial for us to think about, to explore, and then to live out a little bit more and ask God's Spirit to help us to grow in. And in Mark chapter 6, we read these words, and Jesus acts both apostolically and gets his disciples to act evangelistically. Jesus went, so I'm starting from verse 6b, the second part of verse 6. It's on the screen, but I encourage you to read it for yourself um, so that you know where it is uh, in, your, in, in the Bible and things. Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village. Just to give a bit of context, he's in Galilee. He has been, um, in, in chapter 5, he has healed uh, Jairus' daughter, who'd been, um, who's dead. She was a 12-year-old. Um, she had died because of illness. Jesus raises her to life. Um, also, um, just before he raised her to life, uh, a woman who'd been ill for 12 years um, is healed. He then goes to his hometown. His hometown is what? Nazareth or Capernaum. Oh, there's a bit of debate whether he's moved. But he goes to his hometown at the beginning of chapter 6. And in that place... He talks about a prophet in his hometown not being welcomed, not, not being able to minister. And this is what happens after verse um, 6a. Jesus went around teaching from village to village. 204 villages in Galilee at that time, according to Flavius Josephus, the Jewish historian. 204 villages. One Jesus. Wow. That's quite a big gig, isn't it? How many times could he speak in each of those villages? Well, Jesus thinks apostolically because Jesus himself perfectly and beautifully in, in unity displays apostolic, evangelistic, prophetic, shepherding and teaching ministry perfectly. So he gives to his church what will grow his body, the church, um, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers, and he has displayed that perfectly. And today we see that he acts apostolically. Why does he do that? Well, he recognizes that he cannot get round 204 villages and effectively disciple every person in those villages. Does everyone understand that? Everyone gets that he cannot do it himself. 
So he raises up others that can help him with it. He calls the 12 to him. 12 disciples. And he began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over impure spirits. Now the word send there, I've highlighted the word send is apostelline. Apostelline, which is the Greek word apostle. It's, It's the verb version of it. He sent. But that wasn't the first time that word was, was used. Actually, uh, apostles or um, people being um, sent in an apostolic way uh, was happening about 350, 400 years before Jesus was born. The ancient Greeks and, and the Romans would have apostles as part of their colonization process. The captains of ships uh, as they went exploring to, to advance the, the empire of, of ancient Greece or, or, or ancient Rome, um, would be called apostles. The ancient Greek orator uh, Demosthenes, so Demosthenes, all these Greek words, um, said that the, um, the word apostle, or, uh, um, yeah, the word apostle was a naval term that d- described an admiral, the fleet of ships that travelled with him and the specialized crew who accompanied and assisted the admiral. And what would happen was they would go as a fleet, and they would break new ground, where the Greek civilization could be um, advanced. And what they would do is they would have road builders and language teachers and people that could um, set up schools and, and systems and things like that. And the apostle would go and set up that place to be a replica of the community that they had come from. It's really important that we understand this, that the apostle was someone who was trying to establish, or to move in an apostolic way, was someone who was trying to establish the same culture from where they had come from. So when Jesus comes and establishes the same culture from where he had come from, what's he doing? He's bringing the culture of heaven to earth. He's bringing the perfect rule and reign, the presence of God to earth. So when he says in Mark chapter 1, uh, verse 14 and 15, uh, repent and believe the good news that the kingdom of God has come near. He's saying, I'm establishing the same culture as it is in heaven and I'm bringing it here on earth. The same systems, the same structures, the way it is there, I'm bringing it here. And the apostles for for centuries in a Roman and and Greek culture have been doing that in their way. Jesus now uses this term, and the Bible we, we see the term apostle in the same way. Someone who will guard the message, guard the purity of the culture that they're, they're trying to impart, guard the purity of what they're trying to uh, deliver. And continue the movement of it. Because what these apostles in Roman and Greek culture would do was once they had established the new community and the culture replicating the one back at home, they'd move on to another place. And Jesus sends his disciples out, giving them authority to do that. He doesn't just send them out with a message. He gives them authority to do it, to act on his behalf. Hence the word authority, like apostles Um, hundreds of years before they had authority to do these things 
I want to jump now to verse 12, where it says, They went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. Jesus had given them authority over impure spirits, and then they go and do what he had sent them to do. They preached that people should repent. And they demonstrated the good news through driving out many demons and anointing many sick people to make them well again. The culture of heaven coming into those 204 villages as the disciples went out two by two. Let's just jump to 21st century Buckinghamshire. Buckinghamshire, the ninth, um, sorry, the ninth, um, it's ranked the ninth most populated um, county now, but it had the 11th highest percentage population increase in England over the last 10 years. We've got loads of villages and towns in, in Buckinghamshire. But what will the church do in response to the last 10 years being the 11th fastest growing or highest percentage population increase in, the, in England? What will we do? Will we send people out? Will we send apostles to bring the kingdom of God to those places? Jesus sent his disciples and they preached um, a message of repentance. Now, what do you think of that? Anyone think of a turn or burn kind of ministry? Do people know what I mean by a turn or burn preaching ministry? Some nods. Can you imagine the disciples going into a village saying, you've got to turn back to God, otherwise you're going to burn in hell. Can you imagine someone doing that on the streets of St. Peter or St. Giles? Or you going up to a work colleague and saying, because it says here, preaching, people should repent. Can you imagine how your, your friends or colleagues would respond if you just said, you've got to turn, otherwise you'll burn? If they had said that, and we don't know exactly what they said, if they had said that, they would be biblically accurate. Oh. That's tricky, isn't it? So often we, we say, oh, let's share the good news. Jesus loves you. He loves you. God's heart for you is so big, and, and he loves you. If they had said that, or... You need to repent. You need to turn back to God because he loves you. Biblically, they would have been accurate. But their message, according to the original Greek, is simply that they went out and preached. They declared. They didn't necessarily stand like this in church and preach like this. They preached. They declared that people should repent. So what was it that they said? In the NLT, wonderful translation that, that tries to give the same feeling of what um, the original writers were, were trying to get across, they actually add a little bit in to that verse. They actually say, so the disciples went out telling everyone that they met uh, to repent of their sins and turn to God. 
But that's not in the original. They're turning from their sins. And now some of you are thinking, oh, dodgy, Stephen's going to say we don't need to repent of our sins. No, please know I'm saying we do need to repent of our sins. There's a clear biblical teaching on that. But in this verse, it simply says that people should repent. So as I was praying about this, I just felt God say, go deeper. And the word repentance is, is about a mind change, a thinking change, a turning in the way that we think and the way that we, we feel, the way that our lives are being lived. Part of it, yes, turning from our sin and turning towards God's perfect plan. Eugene Peterson's paraphrase, uh, the message, um, his paraphrase of this verse actually is really helpful. The disciples, they were on the road and they preached with joyful urgency that life can be radically different. And the message that the disciples were giving, this repentance message, was that culture shift. Part of it, turning from our sin, but it was a culture shift to God's way, God's kingdom, God's way of thinking in our lives. This is how the apostolic and the evangelistic meet together. Jesus sends people to shift the culture to a kingdom of God's culture. And as evangelists go out and are equipping the church to go, the message is a message of repentance to the kingdom of God, to actually have a culture in our heads and our hearts to live in a kingdom way. And part of that is repenting of our sin and receiving forgiveness. But it is only part of the understanding of repentance. Metanoia, Greek word turning, transforming, changing of one's thinking and direction. These disciples went out and they preached a message of repentance. And how did they do that? Well, in the middle verses, verse um, 8 um, to 11. They took nothing for their journey except a staff. No bread, no bag, no money in, in, in their belts. They wore sandals but not an extra shirt. Whenever they entered a house, they stayed there until they, they left that town. And if any place will not welcome you um, or listen to you, they left that place and shook the dust off their feet as testimony against them. I won't go into that, those verses massively, but these people were risk takers. They went when Jesus sent them. And they were radically reliant on Jesus and his authority and his power. I believe that, that God wants us to have a deeper understanding of repentance this morning. Not just of our sin. Maybe we've repented of our sin already because most of us have taken communion. And if you've taken communion, you should have actually come with a clean slate and said, God, I'm giving it all again to you. Forgive me afresh. But what if God wants to take us deeper and grow a kingdom culture and mindset in us as a church so that no longer are we, let's just see, more people have said, 28 people are saying we're shepherd, 24 teacher, 12 evangelist, 10 prophetic, 5 apostolic. So no longer are we an ST church, but we have a better balance. 
Because the apostolic and the evangelist, they help shift the culture to a kingdom culture and they bring people in to that kingdom of God. To help us with that. Let's jump through. This is something that I find helpful when I'm training people to share their story. Because if you have a story with Jesus, it should be a story that there has been change in your life. There has been transformation in your life because you've met with Jesus. Even if you've been a Christian all your life, well, no, there's probably moments that you have taken a bigger step of faith or commitment. BC, before meeting Jesus, or before bringing a certain something to Jesus, what happened when you met Jesus? And then what's life like now? Do you have a story like this? A BC, JC, AC story where you have turned, repented, and believed in Jesus, and he has met with you and changed you, changed the way you think, the way you live. Jesus is wanting to send his church. He's wanting to change his church as he builds it, but he's wanting to send his church with a fresh and deeper understanding of repentance. And this morning, as we begin to respond to what his word is saying and what his spirit is saying to us through his words, can I invite you to adopt a deeper understanding of repentance? Not just adopt it, but do it. Turn back to God and give back to God the things that you are thinking that are wrong the way that you've been thinking that is wrong, ask him to identify those things. Ask him to to lead you into a deeper place of repentance and a broader understanding of the gospel. It's a gospel of, of the kingdom of God. Maybe you are sitting here today and you think, we're an ST church. That's what people have said. And I don't want us to die out within 10 years or 58 years because I love the people that I know who are far from him. And it might be that your simple prayer and response was, Jesus, give me boldness and equip me by your spirit and through the people that you bring around me to be a better evangelist. And know that an evangelist helps bring a different culture but also equip others. So if God calls you to be an evangelist and you pray that prayer, wow. It isn't just about what you do in the 204 villages of Buckinghamshire or whatever. It's about who you also release to keep this going. And it might be that you don't have a story of change, but today, in these moments, there will be a story of change that you will be able to share with people, not just a moment that you became a Christian. But there could be something today that you need to repent of that is just worming away through your life. And as you bring it to Jesus and say, Jesus, I turn away from that and I turn back to you in repentance. Create a fresh person in me, a new creation in me. Maybe God will um, start that story in, in you today. I'm going to invite the, um, the worship um, group up as they lead us in, in sung worship in response but also I want to invite the prayer ministry team up
And as we respond as a church family, I want us to receive prayer. Apostles send out, we will commission people at the very, very end, but it might be that you have a specific area of your life that you need to be commissioned or recommissioned into. The prayer ministry team will help you do that. It might be that you want to repent with someone. The prayer ministry team will help you do that. They will pray for you and listen to you as you pray and listen to God's spirit for you. Let's stand um, together as I pray. Father, we thank you for your church. We thank you for the people who, who actually shared their views of our church family. And I pray as we wrestle with the realization that we are, according to them, an ST or a PST church, I pray that you will grow your church in a better balance and that we will send people out to change the culture, not just in this place, but to bring the culture of heaven into places that we work, we live, and new communities of life based on you will be established. Release the evangelists to train and equip, but also release us as, individual, as individuals to be evangelistic and to bring that message of change and repentance to the people we meet. Equip us by your Holy Spirit. And as we explore the prophetic and shepherding and teaching over the next few weeks, help us to grow in those as well. But to grow in balance for your glory and the advancement of your kingdom. We long to see that, Jesus, in this village and beyond. Amen.